0: Are we live? All right. Here we are. Last uh, Sunday in August, and uh, we're going to try to finish our. We've been for about uh, three weeks now. We've been studying the uh, feeding of the five thousand, and uh, we have in those three weeks we've read all of the. Uh, it, it is the only miracle that's recorded in all four gospels, and uh, we we've been reading through the different uh, uh, accounts each week. But let's look in John chapter six. John chapter 6, and uh, we'll read that uh, beginning at verse number 1 of John chapter 6. After these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. the Passover, a feast of the Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among them? So many, Jesus saith unto them, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, and the men sat down in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as, he, as much as they would. And then, uh, when they were filled, he saith unto his disciples, Gather fragments that remain; that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together with the fragments and filled twelve baskets of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of truth, that prophet, that should come into the world. And when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And so we've been considering this, and you really need to read all of the accounts, uh, all four accounts, to, to see the whole picture. I made the analogy of a house. If you look at a house from one side, you don't see the whole picture. You, you don't know if there's a back door until you go to the other side. You need to have, a, 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 you need to view the house from all angles of the compass, all points of the compass, in order to get the full picture, and that's why there are four Gospels, so that we can get the full picture of Jesus' life. It doesn't tell us everything about His life, but it tells us everything that God wants us to know about His life. And uh, so, uh, I don't want to rehash a, a lot of uh, what we've been saying before, uh, but we we ended last week by, by stating that the text says that, that uh, Jesus came out of the boat and he saw a great multitude and then he was moved with compassion towards them. and uh, he of course had departed to be alone. And the context from the synoptic Gospels, Matthew Mark and Luke tells us that it was after, the death of John the Baptist. Jesus departed after he heard that John had been put to death, uh, beheaded by um, by uh, Herod Antipas, and uh, also that it was Passover. So these five thousand men, not counting the women and children, were. Uh, jewish people they would they would cross the jordan river and then they would come down the transjordan region east of the jordan and then at jericho they would cross over again and then go to go up to jerusalem they did that rather than going straight south if they went straight south they would have to go through samaria and they would rather deal with gentiles than deal with samaritans and so that's what they did uh, and Jesus w- took a boat to, in order to get away from the crowds. He took a boat across the Sea of Galilee because he wanted to be alone. And he wanted the disciples to be alone. But when they got there and they were, had kind of just set up camp as it were, then all these people came and he was moved with compassion on them. So he didn't uh, get angry that, that his quiet time had been ruined that his plans had been shattered and instead he took advantage of the opportunity and the bible tells us in luke's gospel that he that he preached the kingdom of god unto them he also healed their sick and so he wasn't just doing uh... things that you might say are part of the social gospel the social gospel is you know where you feed hungry people, where you heal sick people, uh, give clothes to those who don't have any, that kind of stuff is what is commonly known as the social gospel, and uh, but he also preached the kingdom of God unto them. And the kingdom of God, when you study the gospels, the kingdom of God doesn't, uh, isn't something that you can see. The kingdom of God isn't here or there, but it's within us, the Bible says. And we only come into the kingdom of God by repenting of our sins and turning in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, believing what God's Word says. And so, uh, the kingdom of God is what many people think of when they say the word church. They think that church is this invisible, universal, mysterious body, collective of all believers in the world at any given time. That's not the church. That's the kingdom of God. The church is visible. The church is local, and that's what the Bible calls the body of Christ. So this is, this is Young San Baptist Church, and we can all see one another. We're constituted. Uh, we're, we're, we're carrying. We're constituted because we exist for the purpose of carrying out the Lord's ordinances. We have discipline. A church has discipline. The kingdom of God is only as disciplined as the Lord Jesus execute judgment according to his sovereign will. But um, Jesus had his plans ruined, and, uh, and then it, we, we, we go on and we see that he says to the disciples, uh, give ye them to eat. You know, uh, the disciples didn't have the resources to do that. Our resources are limited, but Christ has no limit in his available resources, amen? Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I shared uh, uh, when I preached uh, last week, did I preach that or am I going to do it this Sunday? I can't remember about my, my son, mm-hmm. uh, Robbie. Not- yeah, yeah. Last week. yeah. so he, he, he wanted this hunting knife and, and uh, he really prayed, you know, oh Lord help me get this hunting knife, you know, 14-year-old boy, they like sharp pointy things. And and uh we were gonna to go to the Smoky Mountain Knife Works and uh you know he was he was sure that I was gonna buy him one I wasn't gonna buy it for him. And and uh but he prayed and we left there and he still didn't have his knife. But when we got to the church the next day when we got to the church uh that uh, Wednesday afternoon and um uh, the pastor's son came out of the house when we pulled into their driveway and he just like walked right up to Robbie reached in his back pocket and pulled out this very same Bear girl's hunting knife that Robbie wanted so much and prayed for and said here I think God wants me to give this to you and God answered that prayer and so God has no uh, limit on his available resources and and, uh, his resources are still without limit he just just as he took those five loaves and few fishes and he fed 5,000 men plus all of their wives and children that day, and he can do the same thing today. Uh, he's able to supply all of our needs. And it's a comfort. It should be a comfort for us that the greater our problems and even the more desperate our situation, the greater the opportunity it is for the power of God to shine forth. Amen? And God can do great things. But he wants to do great things through our faith, through our faith. Um, These days, Young Sun Baptist Church has bigger bills than we have offerings, and there's a bad economy, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of hope that others are going to come and start joining our church and start putting into the offering uh, enough that will erase the monthly deficits that we're facing and so from a human perspective it seems like we're in a desert place too and that our resources are quickly drying up But we need this is why I think this this passage of scripture is so important and so critical because God is never uh, without the ability meet our needs but he didn't meet anyone's needs until a few things happened first of all he didn't meet anybody's needs until somebody gave what they had it's interesting that you know Andrew brought this lad to Jesus and said here here's a lad that he had five barley loaves and a few small two small fishes but what are they among so many and we look in the other ones and if you read all four gospel accounts nobody said here Lord uh, why don't you have these instead Jesus said give them me so until somebody surrendered what they had to Jesus nobody got fed and then the, the other thing I think that we can see is is that nobody got fed until they were hungry. Nobody got fed until they were hungry. You know the Bible says that blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Sometimes God doesn't give us what we need until we really need it. Until we're really hungering and thirsting after it. Then God gives it to us. But until they were hungry, they didn't get fed. And also, it says that he told them to sit down in in groups of fifties. Everything that the Lord Jesus does is decent and in order. God doesn't, you know, let things get out of control. Uh, If it's out of control, then God's not in it. Uh, we've all seen you know pictures of places where you know food is scarce and then a truck with food shows up and people are being trampled and you know uh, there's chaos as as those people fight to get their food nobody Jesus didn't didn't begin doing any multiplying of the of the bread and the fishes until the people sat down and he had prayed and blessed it and not until then did he begin breaking it and then he gave to the disciples and then the disciples distributed to the people the the disciples weren't the producers they were the distributors now in a sense we could say that that they were the ones who originally gave even though it was the five the lad with the with the loaves and the fishes, even though he's the one that gave, Jesus looked to them and they one of them brought 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 the boy to Jesus. so I think what God wants from his disciples today is exactly the same thing. He wants us to bring what we have and make it available for him to use, and then be ready. To distribute the blessings that he gives and when did when did the the disciples get the reward now the Bible teaches over and over again that the labor is worthy of his reward and it wasn't the crowd of people that that got each of them a basket to go home with of food it was the disciples right because they were the ones who served they were the ones who were busy caring, going back from the Lord to the crowds, from the Lord to the crowds, from the Lord to the crowds, and they think how long it must have taken them. If there was just if there, if, if each of those men had had a wife and two children, then there was twenty thousand people. How long would it take to serve twenty thousand people? If there's only a dozen of you, and it it it, it took a while. they were the ones who did the work they were the ones who each got a basket although the text doesn't say it i think it it infers it that they were the ones who got a basket uh, to take home and uh but it was after they did the work and i i just think that there are so many things in in this uh in this account that if we think about it it it, it can be an inspiration to us it can be a a blessing to us Uh, And uh, a couple of, you know, the meal uh, was, it was a sufficient meal, but it wasn't a luxurious meal. It was five barley loaves and two small fishes. And so uh, they could probably make themselves a little fish sandwich and they ate till they were full. There wasn't any butter to put on the bread, there wasn't any cheese to put on it, there wasn't any tartar sauce or whatever you like to put on fish. Uh, if I'd have been there, it would have been a lot of bread, because fish doesn't do it for me. Mm-mm. I, I just, I can't eat fish. Tuna fish, but you got to put a lot of mayonnaise in it, you know, so it tastes like mayonnaise, not not tuna, <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh but but uh, the the this, this disciples then uh, passed that around nobody was neglected or refused, and then nothing of course was wasted because god doesn't tolerate the waste of his resources so uh what do you think do you think those disciples deserved uh, to receive a greater portion of the miraculous meal
1: mm-hmm.
0: I know you say that when you're a pastor's wife. <laughs> so, uh, then, you know, I pointed out before that you, it, in most churches, it's, it's uh, study after study after study has shown that 20% of the people in a church do 80% of the work. 80% of the people watch the 20% of the work. And that's just the way it is. And it's i've been i've been uh heavily involved in the ministries of five churches in my lifetime and uh, the church that i grew up in the church that i went to in bible college the church that we helped start in madison wisconsin then soul first baptist in this church and uh most of my life has been involved involved in the ministries and i can say from experience that's that's simply the case that's that how that's how it is in most cases twenty percent of the people do eighty percent of the work and so those disciples uh they apparently god blesses those who do the work now he didn't give them diamonds he didn't give them you know gold and silver he gave them he gave them bread and uh that's certainly a useful thing to have especially in a desert place where they were and uh but then we we the story ends at least in john's account by us seeing that the people tried to uh take jesus and forcibly appoint him as their king why do you think they did that
1: In my opinion, because they misunderstood the speech, they thought the time came was supposed to come as a like a, a political liberator rather than mm-hmm. a spiritual deliverance. So they wanted to make it clear so they don't understand. Yep,
0: you know that the children of Israel had uh God gave them manna in the wilderness when they when they were delivered out of bondage in in Egypt. Then for the 40 years that they were in the wilderness, God fed them with manna. And so the Jewish rabbis, uh, they taught that when the Messiah comes, that he would he would feed them with heavenly bread again. And so, uh, doubtless, they were associating this event as they sat and watched him. That's, you know, they're watching him break that bread. And it's just like... He's filling baskets and he's still on the first loaf. You know, a thousand are fed. And he, you know, then he reaches for the second loaf. And then, you know, it's they're watching God create something out of, you know, practically out of nothing, uh, right there before the rise. And so they know that a miracle is taking place and also he had healed their sick and he had at this point uh, raised at least one person from the dead probably two because this is about this is the the passover one year before his crucifixion and the lord raised three people from the dead maybe two of them had already been raised from the dead at this point and so uh, they probably thought Hey, we can raise an army and he'll be able to feed them and if they're wounded or sick he'll be able to heal them and if they die he'll be able to raise them from the dead just like them bones and and uh, Ezekiel and so they 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 were thinking about a political king not about a spiritual savior and uh, so but, of course, the, the spiritual kingdom had to come before the political kingdom. Now, the political kingdom is going to come. Don't, don't think that it, it, that it won't come. There is going to come a day when Jesus is going to return to this world. He's going to, he's going to step on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, the Bible says. And from that moment, there's going to be a thousand-year kingdom of God on earth. And Jesus is going to reign. He's going to be King Supreme over all of the earth. There, there won't be any opposition to him. And this world will return to its productive state, like it was in the Garden of Eden. So that, you know, when I farmed, when we farmed, we would plant corn and we watched the corn grow up but we also watched all the thistles grow up and Michigan has a lot of thistles and uh... if you ever planted a garden you know you have to go in there with a hoe, right? (laughs) because the weeds, you didn't plant the weeds but they're going to grow and you have to go in there and hoe up all them weeds because if you don't then all the nutrition in the soil is going to get consumed by the weeds instead of by the good crops that you planted and your your tomato plants or bean plants are going to be little and stunted and the weeds will be big and strong and so you have to go in there and work like crazy to make your garden be productive but it won't be that way in the millennial kingdom of christ it'll be like it was for adam and eve and yes they had to tend the garden and keep it but they didn't really have to work by the sweat of their brow that came after their sin and that's what the world is going to be like uh, in 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 uh, the reign of Christ and um, so they wanted they wanted a political Messiah but they didn't want a spiritual savior because they didn't want to repent of their sins and uh, many of these same people that Jesus fed and that sought to take him by Force doubtless would be among those one year later crying out, Crucify Him. Crucify Him. Uh, they, they wouldn't want Him as their savior, as their uh, political savior. And so uh, their rejection of Him as Messiah delayed the establishment of the very kingdom that they sought. Uh, but their their losses are gain. Because it gave an opportunity for the preaching of Jesus Christ to go out among the Gentile people and the world churches to be established and uh, so uh, our goal then what is our goal in considering this the kingdom of Christ is going to come and if you know Jesus Christ is your savior then you won't experience the seven years of tribulation before the kingdom of God comes. But what is our responsibility as believers in this time? Is it is it to build a good life for ourselves? Is it to live better than our parents lived? Is it as they say in America to to, you know, get that good old American dream? I think that our Savior might have rather that we have higher ambitions. He's given us the monumental task of the Great Commission. And just to reach our Jerusalem, the city of Seoul, is no small job, amen. But we must do more than that. We have to reach our Judea and our Samaria and our world. And so. Uh, we have to preach the gospel to every person in this world. And the only way that, that we can do that is, is not by saying, hey, other churches are going to do this and other churches should do that. Uh, that's not the mindset that we should have. Our, our mindset should be, what are we doing to fulfill the Great Commission? And uh, if, we, if, we, if we do what uh, this, this um, miracle shows us. I think that God will bless us in the way that he blessed there. Uh, We just have to pray and ask God to help us lead people to Christ, see them baptized, see them added to the church and taught all things whatsoever Christ has commanded us. New churches established, missionaries sent out. Then when Jesus comes, then we'll Receive our rewards. I think we'll receive our rewards. I know for myself, I, I've been blessed. Uh, I've received far more from the Lord than I deserve. And uh, I'm very thankful for um, all that He's given me three great kids, um, a church that I can pastor, and great friends, people to work beside in the ministry. And uh, I'm I, excited about our future. I'm not I'm not depressed or discouraged because things uh, aren't looking rosy financially right now. I think God is going to do something great with our church. And I think we all just need to be ready just like that lad and just like the disciples to give to him what we have and then to see what great things he'll do with it and then be ready to do the work. And uh, if we do that, God will bless us too. Any, any comments or, or questions about this uh, miracle that I've been teaching on now for a month?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Quiet class today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Brother John, would you close this in prayer and we'll end our class up? Uh, next week, we're probably uh, going to start looking at spiritual gifts. Thank you,
1: sir. Father, we thank you. <coughs> for reminding us that the little thing we do is we put them into your hands, you are able to use it beyond our abilities. If we put our strength, efforts into your hands, you are able to multiply. So use us according to your will and place us where we are supposed to be in this church where we live and help us to be each and every one of us in this place, to be a blessing to one another and to be used as tools to move this church forward. We thank you for our pastor and his family, and we know your grace is always enough for us. We let this day be to the glory of your, your grace and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and all he's done for us.